Exodus chapter 16. We will start reading at verse 4 and read other assorted verses in Exodus 16. And verse 4 reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Verse 14, and when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And now in verse 31, and the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Verse 34, and as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. And they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. The message of the manna. Would you say those words after me, please? The message of the manna. Please be seated. We encounter the Israelites just after their miraculous deliverance from the land of Egypt. The Israelites have observed the ten plagues brought down upon their enemies. They've seen the Red Sea divide that they and their children might go safely across. They've seen the Red Sea come back to its place to destroy the enemy that would have enslaved them again. Miriam and all the women have danced and rejoiced before the Lord, singing, sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. After leaving the Red Sea, they travel for three days. And during that three-day period, they found no water. Finally, they came to Mara, where there was water, but the water was bitter. And as they did so many times before, when they tasted that bitter water, they began to complain and murmur against God and against Moses. God miraculously had made the water sweet and drinkable and then led them to Elam where there was 12 wells of water. But then they began to complain again because they had no meat and because they had no bread. 
You know, of course, that a murmuring person has no confidence or faith in the person against whom they murmur. If they had faith in them, they would not murmur against them. If they trusted them, they would not murmur. But if they had faith and confidence that he would, they would relax and wait patiently on their provisions without complaining. A person who murmurs doubts and reflects upon the motivation of the person who extended the kindness in the first place. For if one believed that love had motivated the first kindness, then they would continue to believe and rely on that love rather than stooping to the tactic of murmuring and complaining. Nobody likes to hear murmuring, especially when it's against them. Nobody likes to hear complaints, and even God does not like to hear murmuring and complaining. But murmuring is also a manifestation of a lack of gratitude and of a very bad attitude. If God had never done anything else for them, he had already done enough. He delivered them across the Red Sea. He had drowned their enemies. He had caused the cloud of fire to go before them at night and the pillar of cloud to go before them during the day. God had by 10 terrible plagues delivered them from slavery. After God had done all that, they should have praised God anyhow. But somebody help me that they would murmur about a future favor which they desired meant that they really did not appreciate the favors that they'd already received. And they felt somehow that God was obligated to them. Well, you tell your neighbor, God ain't obligated to you. Anything God does for you, he does it just by grace and by mercy. Not because you demand it, not even because you deserve it. God just decided to bless you. So come tell your neighbor, God just decided to bless me. So in their murmuring about their hunger, God blessed them anyway. He sent quail for meat. And the text describes how God sent them manna from heaven. And as I read about the manna, a message was revealed in my heart, and I wanted to share with you the message of the manna. Message number one, God was their source. Say that after me, God was their source. Through his providence, through his miracle working power, God provided for them. And it had to be a miracle because they had never seen manna before. It had to be a miracle because no other group of people had ever experienced manna before. It had to be a miracle because it fell only, it never fell on the Sabbath day, six days of the week only, and on the seventh day it would never fall. And it would never last or remain unspoiled for more than a day except on the sixth day and the seventh day it would last for two days. And everywhere the Israelites went, God would provide the manna. Come on, tell your neighbor, it had to be a miracle. And on the day after they began to eat the corn of Canaan, the manna did not fall and has never fallen again. In Joshua 5 and 12, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn 
of the land. 2,080 times God miraculously preserved the manna for two days. 12,530 times God miraculously sent the manna, giving them something to eat. God was their source. This reminds me of today and that we must remember that God is our source also. It's somewhat more difficult to keep this in mind. We've got refrigerators and deep freezers and governments and employers and other sources that we look to and we turn to God many times only as a last resort, used only in case of emergency. But listen, God is your source every day. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts 17 and 28, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. No living, no moving, no being without God. And we'd better rely on the Lord. I know we've got college degrees and money in the bank and jobs with security, but listen, you'd better rely on God because everything can fail except God. God is our source. As a source, he's limitless, inexhaustible, capable of meeting every need. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's wonderful. And God is the source, and it is to God that we must look. It is in God that we must trust. Let's praise God for being our source. <laughs> Abraham knew this. And he said, the Lord will provide. And the apostle Paul knew it. And he said to us, but my God shall supply all your need by his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so God is our source. Tell your neighbor again, God is my source. But let's also learn another thing. And that is, though God provided the manna, they had to actively work in preparing the manna and actively receive the manna. Some folks just don't want to do anything. They want God to serve them their breakfast in bed. One man went fishing and came back, said to his neighbor, man, I had a good day fishing. I caught some fish. Would you like some fish? And the neighbor said, well, have you cleaned them yet? The man said, forget it. I'll keep my fish. You'll be asking me to cook them for you next. Well, some people are that same way. They want God to cook them their breakfast in bed, bring their blessing special delivery, and they don't want to do anything to receive it. But they had to work. They had to gather the manna. And then they had to prepare the manna. And in most of the miracles that I can think of in the Bible, God usually asks the person to do something also, not just receive, but do some work. Moses had to stretch out the rod. Joshua had to walk around the wall. The widow had to make the prophet a cake first. The woman who had the issue of blood had to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And listen, if God has really blessed you, you've got to be willing to actively receive it actively work for it, actively pray for it and believe that God is going to send it into your life. Proverbs says, go to the ant 
Uh, observe the labor and the industry of the ant, thou sluggard. The Bible does not excuse laziness. And one man said, God don't call a lazy man to do anything but go to work. And God who gives you strength to labor sometimes will use your labor to bless his work and also to bless you. And whenever the Israelites were slowful, slow about getting up in the morning, the manna fell, but the manna under the blazing sun would melt. And if they got up too late to receive it, they would miss out on their blessing and miss out on their miracle for that day. And so God's blessings must either be used or we will lose them. And we've got to be ready to receive them when they are sent or else they will sometimes pass us by. The work that the Israelites did in relationship to the manna did not permit them to take credit that was due to God. Some people today have the attitude that they've done it all by themselves. They boast in their accomplishments. They put pat themselves on the back. But my Bible says in Psalm 127 and 1, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So they had to work, but still they had to give God the glory. Don't you think that you made it where you are by yourself? How many of you know that you never could have made it except God had helped you to come where you are? Would you help me give him some praise? Hallelujah. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And so they had to work to receive the miracle that God sent to them. Number one, God was their source. But then number three, let me observe that they had to rely on God every day. Come on, speak point number three to your neighbor. They had to rely on God every day. The prayer I give us this day, our daily bread, certainly could have been their prayer. And each night they would be lying down not knowing that only whether a miracle would take place and whether the miracle would be there. Only a miracle of God would provide for them and give them food for the next day. So when they would lie down on their beds, they would pray a special intense prayer and say, Lord, send the miracle. Lord, do the work. We know that if you don't do the miracle, we're not going to have anything to eat in the morning. Listen, you pray different when you know there's no breakfast coming up tomorrow morning. So they had to pray. And some people put the sign on their hearts, God use only in emergency. Call on him only when you've got to. But God for them is a last resort rather than a daily helper. But every day you ought to call on God. Every day you ought to reach out for the Lord's help. No matter how much you have, everything you've got can be lost in a split second. When you lie down, you don't have no guarantee that you're going to get up on the next morning. Stop walking around with your head held so high in the air. You'd better humble yourself before the Most High God. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. 
in Psalm 88 and verse 9, the psalmist said, Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I've stretched out my hands unto thee. Listen, I'm going to call on him every day. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm going to call on God every day. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. They had to work and they had to trust God every day. But then also we learn that when they disobeyed God regarding the manner, it was destroyed. It was spoiled. When they tried to gather more than God had told them to gather, when they tried to accumulate what God had told them not to accumulate, it was lost. And the scripture says that some of them left it until the morning and it bred worms and it stank. The Living Bible in Proverbs 11 and 24 says it's possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. So when they tried to get a supplier for their own benefit, for their own satisfaction, they would wake up the next morning following the day that they tried to save it and worms would be in the manor and stinkingness and decay would be in the manor. Listen, when you hold on too tight, you may lose everything. But God's blessings are always accompanied by God's instructions. And when we fail to read the instructions, then things go wrong in our lives. And we should never give God the impression that we are more interested in his blessings than we are in God himself. Nobody wants you to be interested in their money, in their car, in their house, in their food, in what they have to offer more than you're interested in them. If you go for the food, they'll distance themselves from you. But if you show them your respect and gratitude and let them know whether you bless me or not, I love you and I praise God for you, then they'll give you everything they've got. When you show God, God, I'm not following you for what you do for me. I'm following you because you love me and I love you and I just want to praise you. I just want to thank you. I just want to glorify your name. Come on, give God glory. When you show God that you love him, God will show his love for you and pour out the blessings of God into your life. Never give God the impression that you're more interested in your blessings than you are in him. One who appreciates God will obey God. Our failure to type, our failure to give, our failure to sacrifice liberally to the work of the Lord is an indication of our failure to obey God. God gave us everything we've got. God says, I want one-tenth for the support of my work. We say, God, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Listen, God gave you all of it, and all he asks is one-tenth of it. And how many of you know it's a blessing to tithe to the support of God's work? Hmm. But then we also learn that when they look for the blessing out of God's will, no blessing came their way. They'd been instructed to set the Sabbath day aside as a day of worship and a day of rest. The Sabbath day was holy unto the Lord. So on the sixth day, he told them, you gather twice as much 
as you would on every other day. So that when the seventh day comes, you'll have the second half of what you've gathered to eat and to survive. Only on the sixth day should you keep a two-day supply. If you expect anything to come on the Sabbath day, you're going to get a rude awakening because the manna will not fall on the seventh day. But some of them said, God going to bless me anyhow. So they gathered only one day supply on the 6th. Said, I don't feel like going out getting all of this. I'll wait until tomorrow. But when they went out, outside the will of God and the command of God, there was nothing on the ground. Somebody here today is confronted by trouble and by deprivation, and you just don't understand why things are the way they are. But God said in 2 Chronicles 7 and 23, if I shed at the heavens that there be no rain, if I send pestilence and I devour the land, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. If you do what God told you to do, God will fulfill his promise. He will do his will and do his work in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. But let's go a little bit further. When they went out and sought for what they thought was a blessing, the blessing did not come when they went out against the will of God. But then we discover that when they did God's will and prepared to worship God, then God preserved manna that otherwise would have spoiled without remedy. On any other day, the manna would spoil if you kept it for more than one day. But on the sixth day, they could gather twice as much and save it two days. And on the second day, it did not spoil. The manna did not spoil. Tell your neighbor, the manna did not spoil. How true it is that God can preserve our resources. You don't make as much as other folk make. You don't have what they have. You don't have the education that they've received. You don't have the assets and attributes that they do. But when God got through blessing you, you were looking down at them, and they were trying to get a loan from you. You were blessing them instead of them blessing you. Does anybody know that God is able? He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and above all that we think. Will you tell three people he's able? Look over at your name and say he's able. You know God is a miracle worker. We've been working in other folks' houses, working on other folks' jobs, trying to bless them and trying to help them. And they seem to be so prospered and so blessed. But on down the road, we found out that God took what he gave us and he helped us to preserve it and to embellish it. And when we got through, our houses looked better than the house we'd go to clean and the house we'd go to work in. The Lord has done great things for us, and we're glad about it. Will you look over at your name and say, the Lord has done great things for us. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Psalm 84 and 11 says, for the Lord God, is a sun and a shield.
the Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God can do more for you in one moment of favor than others can do in a lifetime of labor. And we can just say it's the favor of the Lord that maketh rich. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God just decided to bless my life. I once was young and David said, now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have I seen his seed begging bread for 40 long years. God never failed them for 40 long years. God blessed them day by day. They said, don't worry because you can't see way down the road. Just trust God today. And God will not only bless you today, but he'll also bless you tomorrow. He'll take you from one day to another. Why don't you tell your neighbor day by day, you just gotta trust God. Day by day, you just gotta praise him. Every day, God is God. Every day, he keeps on making a way. Every time I turn around, he keeps on blessing me. Come on and tell your neighbor, every time I turn around, he's blessing me. So that their manner did not spoil. Hallelujah. God just kept it fresh. And I just want you to know that if you will obey God, and do the will of God. Your manna will not spoil what you invest in God, what you handle according to the will of God. When you say yes to God, God will take care not only of you, but he'll take care of everything that is yours. If you trust him, it will not spoil. If you rely on him, he won't let you down. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Come on, praise him. Come on and praise him. You can call on him. I said you can call on him every day. Say it every day. He's able every day. He shows up every day. He brings me out. Come on, clap your hands and give glory to God. Stand up and praise Him. Stand up and praise Him. Stand up and praise Him. Yes. Yes. Oh, bless His name. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. If you get in God's will, I'm so glad. If you walk in the way of God, God will work it out for you. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God will work it out for you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so the manna, I said the manna did not spoil. On any other day, it would spoil. But on the Sabbath day, 
It was fresh and nourishing. It was a blessing to them. But they did it because they obeyed God. And they said, Lord, the reason we're getting a two-day supply because we want to give the seventh day to you. We want to give you glory. We want to praise you. We want to bless you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. While they were praising him, God was taking care of the manna. While they were worshiping him, God was making it fresh and making it new. And child of God, some of you made your way to the house of God today. You pressed your way. You said, I know that there are trouble and distress and things I could deal with, but I'm going to go and worship God while you're in God's house. God's going over to your house. Come on, tell your neighbor while you are in God's house. God has gone over to your house and everything, everything, everything is going to be all right. Tell him God's going to fix it in the name of Jesus. Praise him, praise him. Glory! What are you talking about? God is healing somebody right now. God is delivering somebody right now. God is turning your finances around right now. That job you lost, God's going to give it back. That job you applied for, God's going to give it to you. You think everything is falling apart, but God said, I will restore, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's time for restoration. Tell your neighbor it's time for restoration. God is restoring what you lost. Take it back. Take back your joy. Take back your peace. Take back your deliverance. Take back your miracle. Take back your money in the name of Jesus. Yes! Everybody stand. Everybody stand in God's house. God was their source. God is your source. God loves you. The reason you are alive is that God loves you. He gave his son that you might have life that more abundantly. God is your source. No living, no moving, no being without God. If I were you, I'd put my life in God's hands. Be not dismayed, whatever time. God will take care of you. Put your life in his hands. Trust him. You've got to obey him to receive his highest blessings. He can't leave you on your own. You don't have wisdom enough to live the life he would have you to live or that you need to live. But if you trust him, he'll guide you and direct you. 
and your manner will not spoil. When you obey God, God will preserve you and your life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that more abundantly. He wants your life to be abundant and full. He does not want you struggling with guilt and with pain and with deprivation. He wants to meet every need of your life and stand with you in every challenge. I want to pray for somebody. If you don't know Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you want to get to God, if you want to get to blessings, if you want to get to peace, if you want to get to fulfillment, it's through Jesus and by means of his sacrifice for you. Your sins can be forgiven. You can become a new person in Christ Jesus. You'll never be the same again when you accept him as your Savior and your Lord. And listen, he rose from the dead. And if he could rise from the dead, is there anything too hard for God? Anything he cannot do for you? I want to be in relationship with the one who arose from the dead. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I talked to you about what God did for Israel, but now let me talk about what God will do for you. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If any man believe on me, he shall live forever. And God offers you everlasting life. On this day, every head is bowed. If you would say, preacher, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. If that's you, lift your hand and hold it high. Lift it up. As your way of saying, preacher, I need prayer. I need God's help. I need God's involvement. God's intervention. Lift that hand up. I see it. I see it. In the balcony, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you. The message of the manna is that you can have a life in Christ that's beyond anything you ever dreamed, anything you ever thought could happen to you, better than any dream you've ever had. Lift those hands if you would say, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus. I see those hands. Lord, bless your children even as they call on your name today. Thank you for that rich word that you've sent. Dear Lord, we've heard your voice and we come to you humble and repentant. Forgive us of every sin. Show up in our lives in a special way in the name of Jesus. Repeat this prayer, please, everybody. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've been and the wrong I have done. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again from the dead. I accept him as my savior. I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. I thank you, Lord. I'm born again. Come on, give God praise. Clap your hands, everybody. Clap your hands and praise, and praise Him, and praise Him.